Make sure to give my dad a five-star review. Get, make sure to like and subscribe to his YouTube. And thank you for listening and enjoy the show. show. <laughs> Now, <laughs> politics listeners and viewers, uh, I am your political host, Will Wright. I'm joined by Josh, the ever faithful um, other host, Josh Bertram, Pastor Josh Bertram, and we're joined by Hello, Ethan Nicole, pronounced like the girl's name. Um, and uh, Ethan is a comic book creator, artist, writer uh, who's done a lot of really great work for Veggie Tales um, and for Babylon B. Um, as you can tell by the picture behind him, um, he's written a bunch of graphic novels and books. And uh, one of his, uh, or I should say probably one of my favorite books of his um, is um, Why Bears Want to Kill You, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> we will be covering in in moderate detail in our, our time together. So I just want to welcome you, Ethan. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm uh, glad we finally got to work this out and have a yeah. chat, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, one, so, so, so one, one thing that, that, that I've been, I've been wanting to ask you, um, since, since we, we first booked this, like I, you've written a lot about bears, um, and clearly probably on the spectrum of bear expertise, you're, you're probably up there. I mean, like you're Way like the Dr. Fa- you're the Dr. Fauci of bear, um, lore. That. Uh, is biology. that a good or bad thing? Um, it, it all depends. I haven't read your emails yet. Depends um, on your, if you're conservative or liberal. <laughs> yes. I'm very, I've been very consistent on bears. I don't, you know, uh, there's no flip-flopping here. <laughs> this is, this is true. So they will, like, they will kill you. Yeah. So I've, so I've read, I've read and, and, you know, I, I mean like all, all the work you do at Babylon B is all fine and dandy and whatnot, but, but really I want to kind of get at the heart of your critically acclaimed, you know, soon to be New York times bestseller, um, assuming they're still in business, I heard they're failing. Um, the the book <laughs> Bears Want to Kill You, um, and I'm curious on your thoughts on like the seemingly increased level of bear news making its rounds lately. Um, for for instance, in California, there's a gubernatorial candidate. Um, I believe his name is John Cox, who campaigns like with a bear. And mm-hmm. even most recently, there's like this viral video of this like girl that pushed this like bear off a wall to protect like her kindred like like how like how serious is this bear problem it's complicated i mean they're you know it's there's definitely proof that they're involved in government and uh they've got a lot of uh connections deep in especially in california i mean mm. uh the video going around right now i would say is probably a deep fake mm. So I think that there's probably like a giant St. Bernard or something, and they just put a bear's face on top of it. Exactly. Propaganda. It might have actually been put out by bears to make people (laughs) feel like they can just run right up to a bear. Because bears love that. They just open their mouth and you just run right in their mouth. Interesting. Yeah, because bears, I mean, nearest I could tell, bears basically run the media, right? Yes. Right. 
Well, yeah, you, know? and you see everything, everything from teddy bears and teddy ruxpin, just everything. You know, there's this whole propaganda campaign of bears are cuddly and cute and and uh, Coca-Cola does it. Um, there's a lot of guilt to spread around. A lot of people have played a part. And uh, yeah, so my, my goal is just to let people know, like, no, they do. They just want to kill you. Yeah. And and I, I, I couldn't help. So so here's. Here's your book for for people that are watching us on on YouTube, and you could see I've got it like tabbed and highlight. I mean, basically, I'm going to have to order another book because like my highlighters have started bleeding through some of the pages, you know. And uh, <laughs> there's a there's some really like interesting stuff on here. And and what's what gets me is um, so yesterday we um, or last week we we spoke with um, a cybersecurity expert, um, Paul Reisenzweig. And um, he was talking a lot about like these cyber attacks, these hacks and, you know, meat processing plant and whatnot. And you actually have a section on on cybersecurity in your book um, mm-hmm. that pertains to bears. Um, it's it's entitled Cyberbullying and Attacks on Social Media. So I I was unaware that bears were so active on on computers. Um, right. and, and I'm and I'd love to get your take on that. Well, a bear will go on attacking you. Uh, you know, the face-to-face encounter is only the beginning. They will continue to attack you online, on social media, uh, as long as possible. They'll make your life a living hell. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, amazing. that's great. Yeah, that is pretty amazing. So, so I, I guess, you know, kind of transitioning um, from maybe a less, a less important topic, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious about you know, your, your faith. Um, so, you know, we, we, we can talk about bears faith later if you want, or, you know, what the, what a bear's favorite book in the Bible is, but, but, but you work for a, um, you know, a predominantly Christian conservative organization, the Babylon Bee. And, uh, and I, and I love to just hear a little bit about sort of like what, what, what your faith upbringing was and, and kind of, you know, how does that, how did that roll into sort of like the work that you, that you do today? Um, well, my faith upbringing, that's complicated. So I, uh, my parents, uh, when I was a kid, they went to kind of a somewhat normal church, you know, just kind of like a Sunday family get together church. And then they divorced when I was eight. My mom went to Roman Catholic and my dad went Pentecostal. And my dad was a homeless opera singer who was Pentecostal. Wow. So I would go with him on some Sundays and to this church where he's singing so loud and, and singing in, in tongues with a voice that could like sing to an auditorium of people without mics. And then my mom's, uh, she'd sing in the choir. They were both art, artsy people. That's how they met. Um, and, uh, at, at the, at the Roman Catholic church, just like a totally different environment. So I started off very confused by exactly what Christianity was, felt like a very bipolar and, uh, so I, I kind of denied it all for a while, and then I kind of found my faith for myself in high school uh, through Young Life. And um, as far as, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's been the question of my life. Like, how does my faith fit into what I do? You know, like straight out of high school, I went through this phase where I thought, ah, I'm just going to be a pastor. I don't want to just – comics are of the world, you know. So I didn't I didn't draw for like two years. Um it was later, it was actually an atheist that like I met who was this hardworking, wanted to draw. He looked at the way that I could draw and the way that I could create. And he was like, how do I don't know how you do that. 
And he was so shocked that like I kind of devalued um, my abilities and uh, he was shocked that I would think that it wouldn't glorify God if I was using that stuff. Cause it was like, what was it so unique about me? And, and it's me, you know? So that was, that was a, that's been the question of my life. Like, how do I do it properly? Like, you know, there's kind of the generic answers that you have to make your way through. Like, do I just make Noah's Ark comics for the rest of my life? <laughs> and, uh, you know, how do you find your unique voice? Um, and so I've kind of just been kind of going for it. You know, I just kind of went, you know, what? I'm just going to make, you know, I'm not going to cross any moral boundaries that I feel bad about, but uh, I'm just going to make stuff. And um, and it's led interesting places, you know, like here I am in Babylon B. We just happened. It just kind of happened because um you know, I was kind of like secretly a fan of the Babylon Bee. I, they were in like p- posting jokes and stories that like, as I was working in Hollywood at the time, I was kind of, it was a relief for me to see somebody say that and like to see all the likes on it and go, oh, okay, I'm not alone thinking like, this is kind of crazy. <laughs> so I'd send him messages now and then I finally found Kyle Mann, the the head writer at the time um, and sent him a message. Oh, and he had followed me on Twitter. Turns out he was a fan of Axe Cop, which is a comic that I'd made. And, uh, and so, and it also turned out completely coincidentally that he lived out here where I live in like the Inland Empire, which is like 50 miles east of Los Angeles. So mm-hmm. most people that move down to Southern California don't move out here. Most people out here have lived here for a while. And he's one of those people. He's like from out this way. I moved out here for love because I found my wife on eHarmony. So, because I originally <laughs> moved down here for the animation industry and I, you know, I actually didn't start working in Hollywood until I moved out 50 miles from Hollywood and started having to commute. <laughs> so, uh, but it's just funny because I'm like, you know, I happen to be five miles from Bab- Kyle from the Babylon Bee, and wow. So, uh, when the site got bought, uh, Kyle became editor in chief, and I became the second employee. Once they could afford to hire a second employee, they brought me on, and just kind of been here all, all along the way. And uh, it's been really fun because I do a lot more than you know. For the B, I was just doing photoshops mostly and writing. Uh, I do a lot of stuff. I do animation. I, I can draw. I can, I I can write. I can sing. I can. I love doing all sorts of stuff. And I always thought I'd have to pick one thing, but at the Babylon Bee, I get to do everything. Everything I can do. I, you know, there's it's it's a blast working here. Dancing? You get to dance? I could. I, I Interpret. I don't dance. count that as one of my talents, but maybe I haven't, <laughs> I haven't explored it. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, so, so you, um, when you're writing these articles, one of my, one of the questions we have is how much research goes into the articles that you, that are, that are being produced and that you're taking part of, like, like, what, what does that process look like? Well, I admittedly am not hugely involved in the article writing process these days. <clears throat> and I, excuse me, I'm, I think I'm getting a little bit sick, some kind of cold my kids got, um, and if you know me, my voice cracks sometimes, and it cracks a lot when I get sick. So. <laughs> um, well, sorry, what was the question again? Oh, just like the the research process oh, right, that right, goes right. into writing these Babylon B articles <clears throat> in general. <clears throat> I mean, I think Kyle is more of a stickler for like getting certain details right, even though it's usually an absurd joke. <laughs> I'm not so, you know. I mean, I'll, I'll try to get some things right, but. You know, we're it's, we're trying to make it really absurd. Like we want to make it, you know, we're not trying to make it just just that close to reality. You know, so I, I like pushing it. You know, like I think the last article I wrote was, uh, gosh, who's that? Who's the mayor in Chicago? Lightfoot. She said mm-hmm. she would only interview one on one with a person of color, no white people. 
And so uh, we did the article where I, I didn't write the headline, but I just I wrote the copy into the Photoshop uh, that Thomas Sowell accepted the offer. Who you know, he would probably be like a smoldering pile of of uh, ashes if he like if she tried to interview Thomas Sowell. Uh, but uh, so in my art in the article, you know, he jumps through the wall like the Kool Aid Man. You know, like just things that couldn't happen. So you know, I, it's just stupid stuff like that. Um, I like coming. You know, generally when I try to do jokes for the Babylon Bee, it's less about trying to make uh, like we're making a political point. But like there's like the left word, you know, firing at the right, the right word firing at the left. I I really like try to find that absurd third way where you're kind of like (laughs) almost mocking both sides. Like that's great. But I think that's when people don't understand about the Babylon Bee is we are very self-deprecating. So a lot of the time, like a lot of the jokes that people think uh, like like this identifies as that jokes. There's an element of like, we're making fun of our own side on some of that stuff. Like, cause it's so dumb. <laughs> like, totally. Yeah. We're not sitting there like with our glasses pushing. We're like, now that is brilliant comedy, you know, <laughs> but uh, we're just having fun. The yeah. thing about, I've had to learn about the Babylon Bee coming out of Hollywood is like, this is like, you know, the guys here were most of the guys that work at the Babylon Bee and right they work regular jobs. Like there's only like a very, a tiny handful of us to do this full time. And, uh, and it's the type of jokes you would tell like on the line at work, whatever you're doing, you know, <laughs> just kind of like making comments about what's going on in the news. And, uh, yeah. So it has that element to it where it's a little more kind of just, uh, I don't know if like avuncular or <laughs> dad humor sometimes. I don't know. We're not ashamed to be like, we'll get called boomer humor and you know, at first you get like how is that why is that offensive i don't for one thing there's some of the greatest comedians are boomers and yes deserve to laugh exactly (laughs) i gotta ask this question have you ever how many times rather uh, maybe it's per day have people come to you and they actually thought this you got something where they thought this was real like what you're writing was actually true and someone believed it like have you ever had a story in the paper where someone like I don't know, went into a bunker and took their whole family because they were afraid <laughs> of what you said or something like that. And they tried to blame you or sue the Babylon B or something because of false advertising or fake news or something. What, I can't think of any time if they've tried to come after us for it. <laughs> there have been some pretty upset. I mean, there's two of my favorite ones that people have thought were, a lot of people have thought were real, which okay, the, the most common accusation we get from the left. We, we've seen this in like the New York Times and things. Where they'll they'll call us humor disguised as satire, I think, or something like that. Mm. Like they act like we're nefariously trying to trick conservatives, and they and they even like put out these surveys showing that conservatives are very gullible, and they can't tell the difference between satire and reality, and they're kind of really skewed surveys. Um, but two of my favorites were ones that tricked the left. Uh, there was one where uh, I think was it Liberty University? What's the name of that university? Mm-hmm. Liberty. Yep. Oh well, yeah, and. Uh, so we put one that uh, they, they put a giant stained glass window of Trump up, and I did the Photoshop of the giant stained glass window, <laughs> and it was really flattering because like I'd get so many liberals thought that was real. That's they, amazing. They're posting this is disgusting, <laughs> and uh, and then my other favorite one was really funny. We did this one where after uh, RBG Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed, mm-hmm. uh, the, the NBA in honor of her uh, all wore these little lace doily collars. 
<laughs> and so you see LeBron James wearing this like doily lace collar, like, and, and there's so many uh, inspired people on the left that were sharing it with like a little happy face with tears, you know, like this is beautiful. Like that's amazing. <laughs> they thought it was real. That's and amazing. Oh my bottom were recommends. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But, but so, I, so in both those okay. instances, obviously like, we're, they're so absurd. So it's, you know, we weren't trying to trick people into thinking that's true, but it kind right. of like reflects how ridiculous society has gotten that enough people would think both those things were true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so. So, what's what's going on? I guess between um, the Babylon Bee and Snopes, um, it it seems like Snopes is out to de-satire the world, but specifically with a focus on you guys. <laughs> like, right? Like they've I don't, calmed I don't down that. a bit. It seems like I, I haven't kept up, but I mean, there's also a lot of other fact checkers now. Like we just had one. Uh, we did the uh, Lego put out non-gendered Legos. <laughs> it's just, it's <laughs> yeah. just a smooth brick, that no no holes or bumps or whatever. <laughs> and uh, and it went like if you search that right now, you search uh, Babylon B Legos fact check. It comes up on like Reuters and USA Today, and like they tried to contact Lego and like. Oh my god! Anyway, yeah. Um, but I forgot what the question was again. Oh, about Snopes. Yeah, it seems like. Oh they, yeah, yeah Snopes. Out. Mm. We are spat with Snopes. Uh, was that like a year ago? Maybe um, it got really it got mo- the most heated when we had this one story up about Chick Fil A. I can't remember the exact story, uh, but uh, they accused there was really a real accusatory uh, language in what they posted. Um, I cannot remember the exact quote from that, but they they basically said that uh, we were, you know. That we weren't really trying to be funny. We were trying to trick everybody and make it mad uh, was mm-hmm. the basic, the gist of it. So I think we, uh, our CEO did threaten legal action. Snopes changed their article, um, but it was a big dust up. And they, yeah, and they have, the, if you go to their website, I mean, they've got pages and pages of our stuff. I, I assume when you're a fact checker, I mean, if you if you need the hours, you're just going to go and find it. It's <laughs> probably got to be a treasure trove once you find like a, a comedy website. And if you, if you can like cross, you know, Oh, it's just, well, yeah, obviously nothing here is true, but yeah, let's fact check all this. That'll give me some work. That's the no, sense like, I get. Cause they go into detail. I mean, these guys act yeah, it's like, like fact checking like, a novel or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Like MacGyver or something. It's like, it's like, how come you're not like fact checking the Marvel cinematic universe? You know I mean? Like all <laughs> right. the laws that they espouse, you know I mean? <laughs> superheroes aren't real. That is what I love. But, Speaking of the universe, like, I really love thinking of them as Drax from <laughs> Drax <laughs> from a Guardians of the Galaxy. The guy he, he just cannot understand sarcasm mm-hmm. or irony. That's yeah. amazing. Everything's literal. No, no kidding. So, seen. so your 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 primary audience um, or um, the advertised audience is uh, primarily Christian conservatives. Is that is that accurate? Probably primary, yeah, that's primary. But it's, it's been interesting because I mean, the Babylon Bee started off. I think one thing a lot, a lot of people don't really get is we started when we first started. The thing that really made the bee, the Babylon Bee go viral was the church jokes, and that, uh, okay. so a lot of people's perception is that we weren't political, and then we got political. Fact is, we were always political from day one. There was some Obama jokes and things on the Babylon Bee. We've always had that stuff where we take on those issues, abortion and stuff. But the audience shifted. I mean, from the beginning, from the it launched, and the audience was 
primarily sharing uh, the church articles. And then the church articles kind of like just kind of, uh, you know, got played out. I mean, you know, there's only so many skinny jeans, worship leader uh, headlines you can write. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So we still try to keep doing our, the church humor, even because that's part of who we are, but those do not get the shares these days. I mean, every (laughs) once in a while. We love our favorite hot, sweet spot, though, is to find that link between faith and what's going on in the news. So, a kind of our take on it. Like one of my favorite ones a while back, when like uh, there's a lot of cancel culture stuff happening. Hammer exactly who had just recently gotten canceled. Somebody had had all their tweets dug up, and uh, you know, we did one um, about the prodigal son and how his father uh, had had once again <laughs> rejected him because he had, because of his horrible tweets. <laughs> <laughs> he had been brought back home and then his tweet, Twitter history had been checked. I wish I had the actual headline memorized, but uh, it's one of those ones that just it's perfect and you read through it. And, and it, it did really well, but it still it reminded people of a Bible story. I, those are my favorite ones where we kind of hit, we hit that sweet spot. Um, but yeah, so things have shifted where our audience, I, I'll see atheists that are fans. I'll see liberals that are fans. Um, I'll, I'll even see, we just got a message from someone who's trans the other day. So, I mean, our, our audience is like definitely like the bulk of our audience is Christian conservative. Um, but I, it has been interesting since it seemed to happen under Trump that the, the conservative side became much more, the umbrella got much bigger. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more. I, I think it became people who kind of hold free speech and those kinds of values as important started to ally a lot more have started to over the last four or five years. It seems like, so it's been interesting. Uh, it's really like woke versus unwoke. It feels like is like where we're headed with, you know, it's not Christian versus atheist or hmm. even left versus right. It's like, because there's a people on the left, but they're not, they're not playing in. If they don't, if they're not on board with all the woke stuff, then they're not considered we're like really truly on the left, right? That's how, how it seems. So that suddenly we're like piling up with people that, you know, we disagree on a lot of things, but we at least agree on like things are getting a little crazy and people are going to, it's, 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 like, it's almost like, like if a weird religion taking over. Yeah. It's almost like if you, if you believe that Biden's a legitimate president, you're not really on the right, you know, kind of the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could say that. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. You know, in light of that idea of free speech, um, is there anything that you guys think is off limits in terms of uh, bringing satire to or joking about or, or, or something along those lines? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, Josh Bertram here, faithful host of the Faithful Politics Podcast. I want to let you know about a compelling new spinoff, The Faith Roundtable where I'll be interviewing top faith leaders, theologians, and scholars to unpack the pressing issues that are shaping the church in America today. We'll dive into topics like faith and public life, social justice, and how we can engage our communities more effectively. Make sure you don't miss any of our enlightening conversations by subscribing to it on our YouTube channel. Join me at the Faith Roundtable, where deep discussion meets thoughtful insight. Um, yeah, I mean, I think anything, uh, you know, like we're, we're careful around, we we don't touch a lot of sexual stuff, you know, it's just not an area anything that we hold sacred. I mean, 
Yeah, that's one thing I think is kind of a uh, – I don't buy it uh, when comedians say that uh, nothing is sacred. I've never met a comedian who actually believes that because you could find something they won't joke about, especially in our culture. There's a ton of things people won't joke about now. Uh, there are people don't even say that anymore. They used to say that, oh, nothing's sacred. You know, but now they say like, <laughs> here's the tiny amount of things you're allowed to joke about. The rest is off limits. <laughs> right. And uh, so I think that's one thing I appreciate is just being honest and being like, yeah, there's just certain things we're not going to, we're not going to go there. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to blaspheme God for a good joke. You know, though some right. people have accused us of it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now, now I've got, I've got a question. So, so some of our listeners knowing that we were going to have a chat with you when it, um, to ask some questions. So I was going to ask a question from Sarah who, who asked, um, who wants to know if there's a story that you've always wanted to write, but knew that you couldn't because of legal issues <laughs> or maybe like it, it went a little too far or something like that. I don't, I can't think of a story I'd want to write and, and why that those reasons would stop me. It's mainly that I just, it's time and do you mean, does it mean, ba- does she mean a Babylon B story or just like a mm-hmm. story? Yeah. Okay. Um, Babylon B story. Mm-hmm. I would say, okay. Yes. There was one <laughs> that we wrote or, you know, and it wasn't super original, but it felt like, uh, Netflix had put out a, uh, gay Jesus film acting like they were super edgy and hard, you know, Oh man, we're really? so edgy. We're putting out the gay Jesus movie, you know, it was like some comedy from uh, whatever, yeah, whatever. And uh, so we had one all geared up to go and it wasn't super original, but it was like, we wanted to hit Netflix back, you know, like uh, and they, you know, it was um, Muhammad and drag movie. <laughs> let's see if you're really brave, do a Muhammad and drag movie. And so, uh, you know, we worked up the whole, like, you know, I worked up, I photoshopped up like the, the image of what the page on, on Netflix would look like. But then we just, at the end of the day, I could just looked at it and went, you know, if, if terrorists saw this and thought that was real and they bombed Netflix, I'd feel pretty bad. So yeah. we ended up, wow. but we, we struggled with it. Cause like we really, we really wanted to shine a light on that stupidity there, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, wow. no, that totally makes sense. I, uh, <laughs> I feel like that would, uh, yeah, I would feel the same way. You know, when you're poking fun of both sides, did you find yourself getting like hate mail or people really angry and talking about like uproar, like from like Trump or Pence oh, yeah. fans when you like poke fun of them? Yeah, we, I would say equal or more emails we were getting, especially while Trump was in office, were from angry Trump fans. They're very precious about wow. Trump. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, we, I, yeah, I think mo- our more impassioned, angry emails tend to come from that, the, our side. Mm. Really? I do think, wow. I think the most hate we get is probably from our side because the most hate we get uh, is either, it has either been Trump supporters or liberal Christians or progressive Christians. Progressive Christians, like that are kind of really publicly progressive blue check types that have like 6,000 followers and they're trying to be like influencers, you know, and that's like their thing. Like they got like, they got like little glasses <laughs> and the gelled up hair and they're like, I'm, I'm a trans Christian pastor or whatever. Like they hate us. Those guys <laughs> <laughs> just hate us. That's so funny. I, I, I'd <laughs> oh imagine being in the industry that you are, you, you, you probably get, I don't know, like you probably get pitched a lot of different ideas and stories um, and, and what have you. So um, have like what's the what's the craziest idea um 
you you've ever been been pitched and why is um the idea i'm about to pitch to you right now the 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 coolest so here's my idea um the 9161 project it's a backwards chronology of how how much worse things have gotten for blacks and it stops at 1619 there it is there's my pitch (laughs) you make me think so so 9161 is just 1619 backwards yeah yeah so it's just a backwards chronology of how how things have gotten worse for black people that's it since since today you could start at obama probably you know like Uh, since obama was started obama and then go to the year 9161 no go go to the year 1619 so 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 backwards yeah oh like anyways that's a that's a that that's a stupid idea so, i actually do so, get a lot of those ones where the person's like really thought about it a whole bunch and like you know the little math symbols flying by their head <laughs> yeah and they like share it and they think that yeah, it's like but that's like, also I, we all have those headlines where it's all worked out in yeah. our head and then you, that is the big challenge getting like the clear joke to just like because mm-hmm. the best way like the best headline hides the punchline until like the last word the very last mm. word changes it to where you think you're reading a real headline and then that last word or two just goes, it flips it and suddenly you realize there's a joke there. And that's the biggest yeah. challenge is keeping it. Yeah. Cause really like, cause like, I'm curious. I mean, like, even though that was sort of a stupid pitch, but like, I am kind of curious on like, like the, how does the creative process actually even work? I'm like, do you guys all sit in a room, you turn on Fox, CNN, MSNBC, <laughs> look how dumb the world is. And you're like, okay, I can make a joke out of that. You know, uh, I think most of our because pretty much since since I came on, I came on as uh, the, they did, basically I was the second employee ever, and they're like, uh, I guess just pick a title because Kyle's editor in chief. We were working in his garage. I'm like, all right, creative. I, I, I looked up <laughs> uh, the Onion, and I was like, okay, there's editor in chief, and the next guy is creative director, so I'll be that. And uh, <laughs> but I kind of t- you know Kyle is so closely married to the articles is a very personal process for him. It's very hard for him to like. It's even really hard for him to share it. Uh, mm. And even photoshops like I was finding him just doing a lot, most of the photoshop stuff. So I was like, what is my job here? But I always had vision <laughs> for the Babylon Bee that it would grow way beyond just the articles. So that's been my thing. Like I brought, I created the podcast. I just built out. I've got we got animation video sketches. The, the new giant uh, golden book that we have, that was all my stuff. So, like, I'm very extracurricular when it comes to Babylon B. Uh, for the writers, um, so Kyle is very much like the godfather when it comes to the writing on the Babylon <laughs> B. Very, like, you know, he's full-time. He's very much connected to those stories getting out every day. Um, we have one of the guy who's not quite full-time, um, uh, Joel Berry who works very closely with Kyle, but he lives on the other side of the country um, a few days a week, um, making sure things get up. And then the rest of our writers, they're all online and um, they're paid like a kind of a part-time fee and they all have real jobs. And most of them have like jobs we couldn't compete with, you know, like (laughs) some like high level computer programmers and uh B- microbiologist or like doctor we have one's a doctor like these guys are like real people with real jobs that we could never pay enough to work just for us you know um, but they're just doing their jobs uh and then everyone so they'll text they'll just get on, on the, the slack channel or whatever and just like throw in some ideas so we're really it's something they do on their coffee breaks 
And, uh, you know, it's part of kind of their side hustle, I guess, whatever you want to call it. It's just a <laughs> way to blow off steam, really, because that was yeah. like me. I mean, I was like in high and uh, working in Hollywood at a TV show. But when I finally got to start pitching headlines to the Babylon Bee, like it was just like a you know, release. It was just fun to like sit there and blow off that steam. <laughs> that sounds amazing, man. So, you know, I know we want to be cognizant of time. So I have one kind of last question here. And then um, uh, for me and, and Will, if he has any follow-ups, he can, he, he might ask those too. But if you wanted to say something to like, uh, what's something you want um, to say to listeners of our podcast that span the spectrum politically and religious. We have atheists, Muslims, mm-hmm. a lot of Christians, but a lot of people who aren't, a lot of people on the left, people on the right. What's something that a message you would want them to hear from you or, and or the Babylon Bee um, that you feel like is important uh, for them? And you can make it half satire, half serious, however you want to do that. <laughs> um. I I just want people to be able to appreciate disagreeing and understanding that almost all the things that we disagree on or that we fight the worst about are things like we can't actually prove Hmm. our deepest held beliefs. And I might, it might even be why we get so passionate about them is because we can't actually physically prove them, you know? So all the things that people get really up in arms about and just to sit there and admit that like, that's the thing we have in common. There's a huge portion of our lives that we can't actually prove and we're doing our best. And like, that's brilliant to be able to talk about that and just admit that. And I think that, you know, it's a miracle when you look, stand back and look at America and the fact that we have so many varied beliefs and we haven't all killed each other yet. It really is a miracle. I mean, just looking through yeah. other countries. Right. I mean, so treasure that. And, uh, I just, I hate the polarization, uh, you know, I think, but I also, I think we need to be able to joke. Uh, we need to allow each other to joke and to laugh at each other's jokes and to just lighten up. Holy cow. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. I got less deep towards the end, but <laughs> that, no, well, I mean, that, it's true. I mean, like, so, so kind of ending us where we started, um, our, like what effect do polar bears have on the polarization in this country? <laughs> I don't think that you cover that in your book. Uh, polar bears, I mean, they, they, uh, I remember I wrote something about polar bears in that book. (laughs) Basically all bears are the same. They just, they're shapeshifters. Uh, you know, they can kind of change color. So it's all, you know, polar bears are just bears that just chose to be white. They are white, (laughs) more white supremacists than other bears. But, um, I remember I had something about polar bears, like shooting giant, like bear poop into space or something. I can't remember that part. I think they're like blasting the ozone layer maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I do recall in your book, you said that bears don't actually need to poop. They, they generally just poop out of spite. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They don't actually have to, cause they're so efficient. (laughs) They digest everything they need, but they, so they, uh, they can conjure it up if they want to just do something really mean, like (laughs) drop one on someone's glass coffee table and and just watch the look on their face. That's good. No, Well, well, thank thank you, uh, Ethan, for being so generous with your time. Uh, we really yes. appreciate having you on. Um, and uh, how how can people, I guess, um, you know, learn more about just sort of like your work, your career, your your creative, you know, professional CV, if you will. Um, 
Well, I guess the best place to find out stuff I've done is ethannicole.com. That's Nicole with two L's, N-I-C-O-L-L-E. Um, the two things I would promote the most is Bears Want to Kill You is very, is a great Father's Day gift. And uh, I don't know if that's the paperback <laughs> that you have there, but I do still mm-hmm. have uh, just under 200 copies of the hardcover with a slipcase fancy pants edition. That's mm. very nice. Uh, if you buy it from my <laughs> store, which is called is axbearstore.com, A-X-E bearstore.com um you can get it i'll draw in it sign it you can put stickers with it and make you a whole fancy package and then i also have my children's <laughs> book that i wrote uh, about a year ago called brave Valley possum mm. uh i'm very proud of this book it's uh kind of like what I, what i wanted for my to read to my kids as a, the guy who reads bedtime stories i wanted like an epic dark but very comedic <laughs> sometimes very gross story with uh fun voices um very rolled doll, but uh, it's got like over 200 illustrations in it, so it's also very illustrated. So it looks thick, um, and it is it, you know it's pretty epic long, but there's a ton of illustrations, so it's an illustrated novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get both of those on Amazon or from my store, um, and I also did the audio book on this one on both of them actually. Oh, um, awesome, which you can get on Audible, but um, preferably from your store because we right. don't want to keep encouraging the left in their cancel culture. That's right. And if you buy, well, if you buy Bears Want to Kill You on Amazon, it's, I still get the order and mail it to you from my garage. So, <laughs> really? Same. Yeah. And for our conservative listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, every, every book that you order from you, a small piece of a liberal gets fed to a bear. Is that correct? Right. Sure. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, great. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, thanks me. again. Thanks again, Ethan. We really appreciate having you on. And uh, yeah, to our listeners and viewers, we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. All right.